0: Good morning, everyone. It's just a privilege to be with you again this awesome Sunday morning. Now, today you've got a treat. You're getting two for the price of one. I am alongside the awesomeness that is my wife, Sarah. Good morning. I have actually brought my better half with me. (laughs) The great thing we love is not only do we get to do life together, but we get to do ministry together. And it's a a great privilege that we share, isn't it? We laugh lots and somewhere in it all, God uses it. So I hope you're blessed this morning. We were chatting earlier in the week um, about, you know, doing church online and and recording services and what that looks like. And we really want to continue to push ourselves to make it engaging. So Sarah came up with a great idea of how about we do a tag team preach? Now, as this unfolds, you're going to see that it's not much of a tag team. It's mainly Sarah. And I will chip in from time to time, but how great to hear from my lovely lady. And and this is the thing, this has got to be your take home above all else. We're on this theme of influencers, it's the theme that God's given us for the year, and we are talking primarily about that right now, but through the year we'll pop back to it from time to time. But we want to nut it down, if I can use that term, I'm going to nut it down, that you You are an influencer. That's the whole point of today's message, that you fully understand it's not about us, it's not about the whole wider church. You as an individual are an influencer, and we want to unpack that a little bit today. So I'm going to hand over to Sarah so you can get on with it, girl.
1: Morning, everyone. Amazing to be with you all and to be um, speaking alongside Pastor Barry, or Baz, as I call him, This whole idea of you being an influencer, what is an influencer? So in today's terms and today's society, what would we call an influencer? Well, I'm going to bring you up um, a couple of pictures on the screen to um, show you what today's society would call an influencer. So the first picture I've got for you is... This one here. So this is um, taken straight from Instagram. This is Kylie Jenner. She has 210 million followers. Oh. So she definitely is um, someone we would call as an influencer. The second one is Cristiano Ronaldo. He has 255 million followers. Same. Um, he's definitely someone we would call an influencer. And the third one is Kim Kardashian. Um, she has 200 million inf- uh, followers. So these are the people that we would say were influencers. And just if we bring this quote up on the screen, if you do a Google search um, today and find out what is an influencer, you would get this um, in terms of the description. So it's someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decision of others because of his or her authority knowledge, position, or relationship with his or her audience. So that is the description that we get nowadays. And and looking at those Instagram posts are the kind of thing that we would think about is who is an influencer. But I really felt that we need to claim back this word influencer. Well, yeah. Because the truth is, is that God has called every single one of us to be an influencer. And we need to claim back the true meaning of what an influencer is. I believe that the word influencer has been hijacked. I believe it's been hijacked. And we need to claim it back. The truth is is that God has called every single one of us, every single one of you, to be an influencer. Um, I really feel like we want to kind of uh, claim that back this morning and understand what it really means to be an influencer. So we're just going to turn to our first Bible verse, which is in Matthew 5, verse 13. And it's kind of our theme, theme verse around um, this whole series of Influencer. Um, and it's, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And I'm just going to jump to 14, which is, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Come on, you are called, you are called to be salty and shiny. That's what God is calling us to. The salt represents something that brings out the flavour, it's something that can preserve, it's something that comes to purify. Every single one of us is called to be salty. And I really feel like that word influencer, we need to claim it back because every single one of us is called to be an influencer. You are the salt and the light in people's world. And you just have no idea, we have no idea, do we, how one word, one conversation, one encouragement, one act of kindness or generosity can influence somebody else's life forever. It can change somebody's world forever.
0: We got chatting um, ourselves and we started asking ourselves the question, who influenced you? Who are your influencers? And before I get in there, I was reading through Sarah's notes and she had that line, you are called to be salty and shiny. And I said, that's definitely a girl's message. (laughs) You're never getting me saying salty and shiny. But anyway, Sarah gets away with it. A slight aside, we got chatting about uh, who influenced us. And so what we thought we'd do is just share a couple of our stories of people, when we look back on our lives, Uh, of people who who helped us, influenced us, played a part in our world and many of you know that I had a football career and uh, one of the people who influenced me was my first ever coach, football coach. This is the story at um, 12 years old, 11, 12 years old when I went to senior school Uh, back then. I don't think they do it so much now but back then they had what they call the district schools team. So I went to school in Chelmsford, good old Highland school in Chelmsford and uh, the, the sports master picked the best four or five, six players in, in the school and sent them to the trials along with all the other Chelmsford schools. And they picked a team of the best players to represent the district of Chelmsford schools. And I got selected into that team. And uh, after our first game, uh, this guy came up to the, to the teacher who was leading the, the team at the time and said, would you mind if I had two minutes with the boys? And he said, yeah, that, that's fine. And he introduced himself and he said, my name's Brian Honeywood. Uh, and and I would like to start a Sunday team, and I would like you to be the Sunday team, all of you. And so what he did is really allowed the schools to find the best players in the area and approached all of them in one go and said, we're going to make a team. Now, that was super attractive to us as players and super attractive to the parents because we knew we were going to be a good side. And he used to play for Ipswich himself, Brian Honeywood, and, um, and he coached us really well. I think there's going to be a couple of pictures on the screen coming up right now. Uh, the... Black and white photo at the bottom there, there is Brian Honeywood, right in the middle, the short guy. They used to call him Titch. Uh, Standing next to him, the taller guy with the moustache, he was Peter Collins. He used to be the centre-half for Tottenham Hotspur, and they were our coaches. Uh, The one at the top there, there's me. I'm on the the far left, as you can see. What what a
1: hottie.
0: (laughs) The guy (laughs) behind me there is Keith Birkinshaw, who at the time was the Spurs manager. And uh, that was part of our team, and we had this distinctive, look at the big old collars there, we're going back some, we had this distinctive uh, black and yellow kit, they called us the bees, and... um that was our five-a-side team. The best players in our team made a five-a-side team. We played for four seasons and we never lost a game in five-a-side. It came to the point where we walked on the pitch and people saw the yellow and black and you could see their heads go down before we kicked a ball. We were that good, which was awesome at the time. But when I look back at it, you know, Brian Honeywood, he's sowed his skills, his expertise, his knowledge and, and the culture of what a professional footballer looks like, thinks like and behaves. And it shifted something in us as players. And I then went on to have a, a little bit of a career in football. And during that process, I developed a steel inside me. When you get to playing football for money and not just for enjoyment, it's a completely different ball game. There's an expectation on you. You're not going out there just to have fun. You're going out there to win. And it's a different thing. And people stab you in the back and want your position and think they're better than you. You're playing in front of a crowd. There's all kinds of pressures. And now I look back on it, especially bearing in mind what I'm called to now, I believe even then, and I didn't know it, God was putting something on the inside of me that I would need to be able to lead a growing and flourishing church in our time. And so what Brian did, and he didn't know it, but he influenced me hugely. Do you want to tell one of your stories?
1: Yeah, um, I think probably one of the things about when we think of influencers, is is we think of celebrities or we think of content creators, but the truth is, I think for us, when we were thinking about people that had influenced us, it was more like teachers or um, sports coaches or just people who had invested yeah. um, in us, especially um, as some when you're younger because you're just so impressionable then. And um, and so for me, I was think trying to think of. Um, you know, where it all started um, and because, you know, now obviously I have this awesome opportunity to lead worship and to sing, um, but right back when I was about 10 or 11, um, I used to be part of a dance group, ofs, and um, I definitely wanted to be a professional dancer. That was my goal, my aim in life, but I did start kind of a little bit later on in life, but um, I persuaded my mum and dad to let me go. They, um, they weren't really that up for it, but um, I was desperate to go. So I joined the local dance um, team uh, at 10 or 11, and I showed great promise. They picked me out right from the kind of very beginning. Um, and the dance teacher, I remember talking to my mum, saying, hey, you know, she's got some talent, and we definitely should um, push her forward to do some competitions. Um, and my mum and dad weren't really that keen Um, At the time, I think probably they were working hard and they didn't really have the time to put into it. And any of you in the dance world know that this is a massive deal. To go to competitions, it's like another world. There's like all these dance mums. It's so competitive. And the the music and the costumes is the thing. And if you didn't have the thing, then there was no point you even going because you were not going to get anywhere. And for me... I, you know, I wasn't even meant to go to a competition, let alone, um, you know, be included. And so my parents weren't keen, but my dance teacher, she was so adamant that I had talent and showed promise that she pushed me forward. And not only did she push me forward, she also found me a dance costume so that I wouldn't be left out and that I had some sort of um, opportunity I have bit my, uh, had to swallow my pride, and I'm going to show you a picture of me in my first ever dance costume that was given to me by my dance teacher so that I could attend this competition. And I think it's going to come up for you right now on the screen. Woohoo! Um, I know. Check me out. Everyone, everyone <laughs> says how much. Um, Uh, Evie looks like me here. She's going to hate that. But um, I had no dance costume. I'd never been to a competition before. I hadn't even considered going. My dance teacher saw that I had talent. She pushed me forward and I won. I actually won my first ever competition. And from there... I just continued to carry on and do so well. And my confidence grew so much. I never even knew that that would be something that I would do. So I had this kind of experience of um, performing. And from there, I then was spotted by some friends who were sorting out a band because I'd done a few kind of things at school with singing. So I had some experience in singing. And those of you that know my testimony, I was signed to a record label and I went to Vegas at 60. Years old, I had the most amazing experience, and I'll never forget meeting mum and dad um, for the first time, Barry's mum and dad for the first time. They were so excited and enthusiastic about me singing. I didn't quite understand why. Like I wasn't sure why they were so excited, but of course, it's because they saw in me the opportunity for me to lead worship one day. Um, And Daniel and Sarah, Barry's brother and and sister-in-law. Um, when they got married, they asked me to sing at their wedding. Uh-huh. First time I'd ever sang publicly. And it was uh, my first ever kind of worship song to God. And it was so funny because we were all convinced that everybody at Daniel and Sarah's wedding was going to get saved because I was going to sing this song <laughs> Like for the first time. I was stepping out in my ministry for Jesus. And it was just amazing. But I often think back to those times that I was kind of pushed forward by my dance teacher as, as somebody so young and that confidence in me sort of grew to be able to be comfortable in front of a camera and on stage as well and I wonder if she would look now to think uh, and look at what we're doing um, and think you know be amazed or whether she would think actually I saw that in you right from the very start so yeah amazing. Why don't
0: you tell the guys about when you first met Matt Beals and the first worship experience back in the Cornard days?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when we first get, got together, we used to attend a church at Cornard, which is just outside of culture in Sudbury. And um, actually, we met some amazing friends that are in our church now um, in those days. which was brilliant. But, but Matt invited me to come onto the worship team. And there was only a few of us. But I was, you know, very young and only really just starting off in the singing and the worship. And I remember after a few months, Matt had to pull me aside and tell me off for being late. <laughs> but he did also no give change, me, no change. I, no, he did also give me one of my first opportunities for a solo, um, you know, in terms of being able to worship, lead, and stuff as well. So yeah, we've known each other a really long time, and um, he definitely influenced me in terms of um, worship and, and giving me um, a bit of a platform.
0: Yeah, and you can see the theme here as we look back over our lives. It's not always who you think. You think all oh, these big influencers. Do you know what it is? It's just people who were prepared to invest time into you. Yeah. Influences about people. So often we have this thing about platform. You've got to have a big platform. You've got to have so many Instagram followers. You've got to be, you know, on the microphone. You've got to be on the TV and all these things. And of course, those places do influence. But I believe the biggest influencers are the ones who do life with you, who show so into you, give time to you, and it can be big things like committing to go on a year-long journey. But sometimes it can be a word. Or an encouragement. And we're trying to just nut it down to help you see you are an influencer. The next question you asked me, wasn't it? Well, how about about the start in the church? You know, what was the influence? Why did you start? And those kind of things. And I was like, well, that's quite a big question. And I don't think I could narrow that down to one or two people. It was part of a journey. But what I could say is this. That my parents brought me up in a loving Christian environment at home. I remember at seven years old, um, I made my commitment to Jesus. It was young, but I remember it to this day. We had bunk beds. And every single night, my mum would come and put us to bed. And every single night, she would chat with us and pray with us. And I believe that right there was the foundation. Right there was the influence for my Christian journey. It was my parents. It was the home they, they, they created for us. And um, they took us to a church here in Colchester. We lived in Chelmsford, so many of you might have done that journey. It's a good half an hour, maybe a tad over, half an hour. And we travelled up to Colchester every single week, and sometimes twice on a Sunday. Sometimes we'd come up for the 10.30, go home, and mum and dad said, we so enjoyed that, we're going back for the 5pm, and we'd turn around and do it again. And you know what, many of you might think, what on earth? But that was the environment I was brought up in. And mum and dad made choices, firstly, to put themselves in environments where they could flourish. They were prepared to drive all that way to put themselves and me and my brothers in an environment where Holy Spirit was central, Jesus was central, the word was preached and we could thrive. And it was worth the effort. And I'll never forget those times. It did something on the inside of me. Every year we'd go away to these Christian camps, you know, caravans and tents, and we went to these ones at a place called Shadacre and a place called Malvern and run by, back then it was called the Good News Crusade, I'm going back some now, but some of you slightly older people might know of those Hundred events, yeah, 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 easy, Um <laughs> But I, I tell you that I had so many good experiences in those times, and, and now I look at it and think they were so, they were my parents creating that environment and putting me in places was so influential, but the environments themselves they put me in were influential. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're a parent out there today, Don't negate positioning your children spiritually. Talk to them. Pray with them. Open the word to them. Make it come alive to them. Put them in positions of worship. Place them in great church environments and spiritual environments because you don't know what you're doing on the inside of them. They may not be able to verbalize it then. And I don't think I could back then. But you know what? As I reflect back and think to myself what influenced me, those are some of the things and when it came to launching this church, when we, we launched as Kesid back in the day, and now we've been become part of the Equippers group of churches, uh, I went to, to Hillsong in London several times, and I think what that did for me was see the, the bigness of church, the excellence of church, the, the way you can communicate the gospel to another generation, it, it was stirring something in me. And there was a moment there where, where um, there was this great big clap going up for the lead pastor, and a great big cheer. And in that cheer, I just know the Holy Spirit said to me, Barry, I want you to start a church in Colchester. I've put something in you to do it. And the reason I could know that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me is because of how my parents positioned me on my journey. I didn't have to question it. I knew. And so I was able to come back and chat with my family. So I feel like God has said this. What do you think? And everyone said, we will back you. And my point is this. You know, mum and dad weren't on a platform. They were my family, but they just positioned me well, sewed into me well, and it totally has influenced my whole life. And I'm now able to stand on a platform that God's given us and preach the word and encourage people and create platforms for other people so that you can be influencers. It's not about platforms, it's about you being you. Take Let that be your take home. Wherever you find yourself, at work, in the social world, in your family, in your friendship groups, you have the ability to influence someone and you just don't know what you might be doing for someone.
1: It, uh, it definitely brings home that point of the responsibility that parents have. Yeah. Um, because as parents, uh, we're parents, but even, you know, we get a lot of questions about, you know, raising kids and um, especially around how to bring them up in a Christian home. And I think we, you don't realize how just having that worship song on in the background yeah. You know, coming to church once a week, um, praying with them at bedtime. You just don't realise that when you grow up, um, you remember those things. Yeah. And it's you have. We have such an important role to play um, when it comes to parenting. Um, uh, we're always so shocked at how many things the kids remember, yeah. even when it's just like a, a conversation, sure. and they come out yeah. with something random. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it is. It's this. Um, it's a call. Cool, I suppose to parents to say every single word has the potential to influence your children. So make, put them in good places.
0: Yeah, yeah that's so so true. A- and then you know, as you were having having a revelation about trying to nut this whole idea, you you f- you came across this biblical story that you thought was a great idea to share. It so, do you yeah, do you so
1: know Yeah. So it's the story of the woman at the well, and um, so many of us know the story really really well. Um, But yeah, just in terms of how it it affected her, but more than that, how she became an influencer. So we know um, that she was a Samaritan woman. We also know that she had no name. Um, So we know that in that time, that women were quite disregarded anyway, um, let alone if you didn't have a husband or unlike the woman at the well who had had five, um, you know, she really was an absolute social outcast. Um, People despised her. She carried shame. She was not welcome. People didn't like her at all. Um, She really was kind of looked at as kind of the lowest of the low. And there she was one day um, going up to get water and she comes across Jesus. She has this encounter um, with the living God. And this one encounter with Jesus at the well changed her life forever. She had this incredible revelation um, about who Jesus was, and it not only changed her life, it in, it changed an entire village. Um, so if we just look at the word in John 4, verse um, 24, and this is the Passion Translation. After Jesus had spoke to her, um, and he basically had asked her for a drink, and she was like, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan, not only am I a a woman, but I'm also a Samaritan, and Jews are meant to hate Samaritans, so you shouldn't even be talking to me, he asks her for a drink, but then he also prophesies into her life, he prophesies into her life, and she's so taken aback, she can't quite believe it, and she says here, this is all so confusing, that's definitely something I would say, I'm a bit freaked out right now about what you just said about me. But I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And then in verse 26, Jesus says to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you are looking for. And here it is. Here's the moment that she becomes the best Instagram influencer ever. John 4, 28. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to the village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. And on hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go and see so Jesus. Good, so good. How cool is that? Do you know, you don't have to have your life altogether to be an influencer. No, no. Like, you know, so many people I, I know say to Barry, oh, what what um, Bible college did you go to to be able to be a pastor? And how much training have you had? You know, you don't need a theology degree to be an influencer. The woman at the well was no celebrity. Maybe she was known for the wrong things, but she certainly didn't have a a million followers on Instagram. She didn't even have a name. And yet she changed an entire village by having an encounter with Jesus and then telling everyone about it. And surely that has to be our calling that we know this incredible God, and all we have to do is to tell people about it. So if you find yourself disregarded, if you find yourself alone or carrying shame, don't think for one minute that you can't be an influencer. Come on, so good. Because you can, you can. You have no idea, you just have no idea yeah. how just reposting that Bible verse on Facebook just by c- praying for somebody. Quietly without them even knowing, by just giving somebody a hug, sending somebody a text, sending someone an encouragement, reaching out to somebody at work who might be hurting, you have no idea how one moment can influence somebody else's life for a lifetime. So, yeah, it's incredible. And uh, just as I had this kind of revelation about an influencer and um, God was really speaking to me last week when we were recording uh, for worship practice. Um, I don't know if any of you know, but standing behind the camera right now is a wonderful girl called Billy. <laughs> and uh, we love Billy, she's amazing. Um, she's working really hard for us at church right now because everything's online, and so um, she's doing an amazing job. But I had a little moment the other day when we were doing um, worship practice, and I came home and I said to you, oh, I had a bit of a moment watching Billy set up for a uh, recording. So she was over here somewhere, up a ladder, putting on her mobile phone, ready to get ready for the drum cam, and um, she was doing amazing. God, and I just felt like God just dropped into my spirit. How great God is, because n- not many of you will know, but we actually met Billy um, about eight years ago, and um, we we met um, Billy's parents on the sideline of a football pitch when uh, Josh was playing footy on a on a Sunday, and. Um, Billy's parents, Amanda and Trev, um, we just, we met them at the football field and we just instantly clicked, you know, when you meet friends and you're just like, you guys had the same banter, didn't you? Yeah, That's well. what it was. <laughs> uh, you get on so well. And um, and you and Trev kind of uh, created a really good friendship and then you started to chat about the boys and their football and then you ended up um, training with, right. with Trev. That's right,
0: uh, Yeah, yeah, we... Um, we met through through the football and obviously staying on the sidelines I got chatting with Trev and told him some of my football history and we had lots of conversation around that and, and Tyler, um, Billy's brother, Tyler's an excellent player and and Trev said to me one time, oh, would, would you mind doing a bit of one-on-one with Tyler, just give him a bit of extra coaching, you know, help him along a little bit. And I said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, me and Josh will come along. We go as a four, and we took a handful of footballs over, over the park near, near Castle Park, and we found a fence and we're kicking balls into the fence. And we always used to stick Trev in goal because he was he was good in goal. But you, you know what I mean? You know, the, the worst player always goes in goal. Sorry, Trev. But um, but we we did some skills and and it was really great and to see Josh, who's also super gifted, and Tyler just encouraging each other and striking the ball better and learning new skills and making good movements. It was brilliant, and I I loved doing it because, you know, my my football history, I love football, and I love passing it on to other people. It was so, so great. And um, we we got to admit, and if, Trevor, ever you hear this, uh, there was always a McDonald's afterwards. On the way home, you drive back, and Tyler and Josh would go, oh, can we have a Macca's? And uh, it didn't take them very long to twist their arms, so we'd have a cup of coffee and a McFlurry and we'd chat some more. But we just got on like a house on fire, and um, there was this this amazing time, and you know, for me it was nothing other than friendship, we just cared about the family, we, we enjoyed their company, and we were just friends, but there was that moment, wasn't there, I, I don't know how long ago it was now, but a little while back, where we were just prepping for church, and the, the intro music was on, it was back in the days when we were actually in the same room together, <laughs> and we looked to the side, and, and in walked um, Amanda and, and Casey and Billy, and, and you were just like, wow, weren't you?
1: Uh, we we just couldn't believe that these guys had walked into church. They had been friends and we'd socialised a lot together. We'd got to know each other really, really well. And um, yeah, we'd got close and hung out. But we didn't realise that in Billy's time of need, that the first place she would turn would be to the church. And, you know, what was so amazing about it was that we'd never, I mean, we'd always invite in terms of, oh, you'd be so welcome, but never really thought that it would have as much impact as it has now. And, um, you know, Billy had got to a place where she was was low and down. And so Amanda said, come on, we're going to go to church. And they walked into church that day. And I believe they gave their lives to Jesus. And it was...
0: And, And it's been so... It's been so good to be our, play our part on, on, on their journey, you know, as the three girls, but as the family and, and just stand with them, pray from them, cheer them on and stay friends and keep the banter going. But one of the things that I think has moved us is that we know that Billy did her degree in, in video production and, and obviously all trained and highly qualified for all these things and never had the opportunity to use it. And here she comes into a church environment, meets Jesus, gets her feet on the firm foundation, starts to step forward enough, gets her confidence back. And now she is using the skills she trained for to help the church. You know, one of the reasons our church has such a great online presence, one of the reasons our church looks so good is because we've got someone who's trained professionally to do it. And that meeting the family, just being friends, kicking a ball about together, having some banter, we believe has influenced Billy's life and she is now flourishing and and I believe even it's going to be a stepping stone onto bigger and better things for her but the point is this whole idea of influence
1: come on that's why you're here babe because when I get emotional you can take over step in
0: step in you
1: can do that bit our point is is that every single one of you has that potential to influence somebody's life forever and that story that we shared about Billy i know it's a big one because you know it's a, so amazing we get we actually get to see the harvest of the seed that was sown and the thing is with influence is that it's not always instant and sometimes you never get to see the harvest but just sow the seed just sow the seed just be yourself and god can use whatever you do you carry love you are um, a hope carrier You can bring love into somebody's um, world. You point to the answer. You as a person, you point to the answer. If you know Jesus, you point to the answer. And so I want to encourage you this morning that you are a person of influence.
0: Can we pray for you guys? I hope that's been helpful. I hope it encourages you. Say it one more time. You are an influencer. It's not about us leading a church Although that's a, a privilege God's given us, but we want to champion you to make a difference in your world and the people in your world. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for this theme that you've given us this year. Lord, help us to unpack it well. But Lord, in this moment, I pray that everyone tuning in would be encouraged. Holy Spirit, as only you can, I pray you'd stir hearts and minds to see the potential that lies in us. You've called us to be lights. So help us to shine brightly. Help us to influence the environments and the people around us. You've called us to be salt. And what salt does, Lord, is it brings out the flavor that's already there. So many brilliant people around us. And sometimes they're just stymied and stuck. And one of us could step in and bring an encouragement and breathe that salt that brings the goodness out again. Lord, let us see it as you see it. So I pray and declare over every single one of you, go and be an influence. Go and be a light. Go and be salt in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope that blessed you guys. But one of the things I want to do every single week without fail is give someone out there an opportunity to encounter Jesus. Now, maybe you've listened today. Maybe you've listened to the worship. Maybe something's been stirring in you. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you're thinking, what's it all about? But I know, I know, I know the best decision you'll ever make is to invite Jesus into your world. Because he says, I'll lead you to places you can only dream of. It's where your security and your provision comes from. It's where your health comes from. It's where your future lies and your eternal destiny is with him. So all it takes is a yes. It just takes an amen in your heart to say you're welcome here. So I'm going to pray and I'd invite you to pray with me. Jesus, just thank you that you love me. Today, I invite you to live in my heart. I haven't got it all sorted but I know I want a relationship with you. So would you come and lead me forward? I choose right now to fix my eyes on you, to turn away from the things that separate us and to learn on the journey of discipleship to become a little bit more like you every day. Thank you that my life's in your hands and you've got me. Thank you that your plans for me are good. I accept you today. And all those people said, amen, amen. I hope our double act blessed you we are going to hand over to our epic worship team. Be blessed.